1: Today's episode features explicit content involving children that some listeners might find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised.
0: We like to drink beer. A lot of it. After a long night of drinking and talking crime and conspiracies, there's nothing that wakes us up and gets us ready to start the day better than just brew coffee. With a great selection of roast levels to choose from, you're guaranteed to find one that suits your style. Small batch roasted to highlight the unique features of each coffee bean, Just Brew Coffee caters to both casual and hardcore coffee drinkers alike. Since 2010, Just Brew Coffee has worked tirelessly to perfect the roasting process and technique, which has resulted in seriously delicious, always flavorful, and never bitter tasting coffee. If you're already drinking JBC, raise your mug. If you're not, raise your standards. Check them out on social media and remember, they roast, you just brew. Check out their new online store at youjustbrew.com and up your coffee game today.
1: Today we discuss legendary serial killer Ed Kemper, who murdered numerous people in the 1960s and 70s, most notably by picking up hitchhikers. Ed had a preference for young females and after brutally murdering his victims, he'd use their corpses for sexual gratification. The real question is, how did a six foot nine man who once referred to himself as old Bumblebutt, managed to convince so many young women
0: to get in a car with him? I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you thought a woman's head needed to be attached to her body to engage in oral copulation, stick around, you're dead wrong. This is Necronomapod.
2: It's getting easier to do. I was getting better at it. I was getting less detectable. I started flaunting that invisibility severing a human head, two of them, at night, in front of my mother's residence, with her at home, my neighbors at home upstairs, their picture window open, the curtains open, 11 o'clock at night, the lights are on, all they have to do is walk by and look out, and I've had it. Why did you keep the heads? Why did you cut them
0: off, and why did you keep
2: them? Something out of my childhood. Uh, I could put it on an incident. I mean, my father chopping the heads off of our two pet chickens and my mother insisting that I eat them for
0: dinner. Uh, <laughs> you know, so we could say it was something that simple.
1: All right, so today, two things off the top. One, the goal of today. Is for me not to get sick sitting in a small room with either of you, Ted. <laughs> no, you're both getting off illnesses here. I caught a
0: bit of a necronomic cold here the past <laughs> week.
2: And you had your own thing going yeah, on. Yeah, I had, I had uh, pneumonia. Oh, boy. So if my voice sounds. Sounds terrible, that's why. We're
1: not uh, going to label that (laughs) (laughs) necronomia.
0: We're in a bit of a toxic fucking germ factor. So
1: if I can get out of this episode and and still be healthy tomorrow, it's a win. (laughs) Second thing is, Dave, I believe you have a bit of a correction to make following up on last week's episode.
0: Yeah, I'd like to issue a bit of a retraction. So in talking about Heaven's Gate last week, I I referenced that little Bo Peep was a sheep, not a (laughs) shepherd girl. Clearly, I'm an imbecile without... (laughs) Any expert knowledge on nursery rhymes? So I'd just like to apologize for that (laughs) idiotic statement I made.
1: I apologize to those I hurt with my
0: comments. (laughs) It was
1: unbecoming of a professional.
0: Clearly not great. Not my finest hour.
1: We corrected it. Now we're good. Now we focus ahead on this week. We got a a fun little topic today. Ian, what do you got for us?
2: So today we're going to be talking about Ed Kemper, the co-ed killer. Uh, He was was one of the first to talk to the FBI's uh, behavioral unit. Going back to uh, interviewing serial killers and whatnot, there's tons of information out there on him. And if you
0: listen to our trailer when we reference skull fucking, this is the episode where it came from.
2: Yep. Yep. This is where it all pinnacles. Here, here. So, uh, so, yeah, let's jump into Ed Kemper. He was born ne- December 18th, 1948 in Burbank, California. Uh, during his childhood, he was physically and emotionally abused by his alcoholic mother, Clarnell, who uh, was divorced from his father. Clarnell. It's, it's difficult to say. just the name's scary in and of itself. It is a very um
0: stern name. I believe there is 0% chance that a woman named Clarnell will blow you. <laughs> that's just my opinion.
1: Well, that's Clarnell. Her name's Clarnell. 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 <laughs> I don't want you to have to issue another formal apology next <laughs> week for messing up old Clarnell's name. No blowjobs or blumpkins <laughs> from Clarnell. We can confirm.
0: She's no Olivia Wilde,
2: folks. <laughs> uh, before... Before divorce, Ed was really close with his father, and after the divorce, his mother grew to hate Ed, and it's thought to be because he looked a lot like his father, but it's not really said why. And she would just take it out on him and kind of look at him
0: with disdain, like she would treat him like an ex-husband almost. like basically just
2: say, like, you're just like your father kind of thing. You think
0: that's common? like for women to hate their son because they remind them and look like their ex-husband?
2: I don't think so. Yeah. That's to very to strange.
1: hate their to hate their kids, you think? I don't know.
0: I'm just, I'm just wondering
1: uh, aloud oh, here.
2: Maybe. I mean, I'm sure it happens. Like if that if that kid of yours reminds you of that, you know,
0: that husband, I would that broke like your to think you would have in, more to out. think of
1: yeah. with your own kid than for it
2: only to be a reminder of your your ex-spouse. Yeah, I wonder. I would think but that's what basically he was was just a reminder of his dad, which she hated. Was his
1: dad a, like a piece of shit to Clarnell? No, not like any that... reason why she would have so much disdain for her ex husband and or for Ed.
2: No, nothing. I mean, we'll see. His dad kind of is a piece of shit later on. We'll get into that. But nothing it's like this between stories, the two of them. Stories riddled with pieces of shit. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, one of Ed's favorite games to play as a child was a game he and his sister invented called Gas Chamber where he and his sister would take turns flipping an imaginary switch and then the other one would pretend to get get the gas and then fall right. on the ground and like wiggling around dying, <laughs> pretending to die. We call that a Dutch oven
0: game at my house.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and it's around this time that while his sisters and his mom were allowed to be in the main part of the house... At eight years old, Ed was forced to live in the basement at all times except for dinner. Well, he was allowed up during the day, but most of his time was spent in the basement, especially all night. Locked down there by his mom. In the
0: dark with rats running around and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, I remember. That's really great. The dude, an eight year
2: old kid. We said he was, I know you said he was terrified of the dark. Yeah. There was a light on a pull string light at the front of the door and a pull string light where he slept. So he would leave this one on run down this way, turn that one on, then run back to turn the other one off because he was afraid of the dark. Yeah,
1: I would be too probably at that age.
2: It it was like a, it wasn't a basement like, like there was a normal door or anything. It was a trap door kind of thing. So when it was time for dinner, they would move their dinner table out and then let Ed up. Yeah, it was like in the floor, right? Like it, like
1: it was, it was like a crawl space almost. Yeah, like down there It wasn't
2: like, like a finished basement with a big theater room. Yeah, it was not a, <laughs> it was no. not a man cave as no. we know them today. No, I don't no. think it was. So yeah, they would move the dinner table out, let him up, and then dinner's over. All right, Ed, back down there and seal him back up. Clarnell's a real. Yeah, something.
0: You get into that nature nurture you know argument with all serial killers, but clearly she's breeding a serial killer from a young age. Yeah,
2: well, we wonder why he has issues with women. Yeah, and she's she started doing this to him because she was afraid that he was going to molest his sisters, but there's no evidence of that. You know, this was kind of in mom's head, right? That oh, he's going to do this. Let's let's lock him in the basement. I mean, she he he's he was an odd child and. You didn't play Gas Chamber as a kid, <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> was there any evidence his father molested the girls? Like
2: kind of more. That's what I keep thinking. Like being... like what did
1: the dad do that one made her yeah. Clarnell hate him so much, and right. then project all that onto Ed?
2: Yeah, maybe I didn't even think of that. Maybe he did. He something. He was fucking around with kids or something. Maybe. Hmm. So this in this at this time being down in the basement, that's where he started to really hate women because. The, his mom and his sisters are both upstairs. Sure. He's stuck downstairs. And he said that he would start pulling the heads off his sister's Barbie dolls. Mm-hmm. And he was fantasizing about killing the females upstairs, is what he said. So I have a I have a page here I printed off for the show of a bunch of Ed Kemper quotes. I thought we could kind of
0: intersperse them throughout the show as, it, as they come up. So here's one about the dolls. I remember there was actually a sexual thrill. You hear that little pop and pull their heads off and hold their heads up by their hair, whipping their heads off, their body sitting there. That'd get me off. So even as a young kid, he was getting off, popping these little doll heads Pop
2: goes the head and
0: pop goes a load in his pants.
2: (laughs) This is like eight or nine years old at this time. That's nuts.
1: That's so young.
2: Yeah. One to even just be having
1: those sadistic, sick thoughts, you know, about popping heads off and wanting to hurt the ladies
2: upstairs but yeah like i like to light gi joe figures on fire and stuff you weren't getting off it's on a, it. it it's a little different <laughs> <laughs> he had one of the the three signs from the mcdonald triad which was um he had the harming animals so it was, it was harming animals bedwetting and lying setting
1: no fires. setting fires
0: that's right yeah so you
1: also dave had one of those <laughs>
0: it's you burning your giant well, one by itself didn't necessarily mean
2: anything setting fires is setting fires
0: <laughs> arson's fun sometimes in a controlled environment all right
2: yeah so i mean he had the yeah he had the whole uh harming animals aspect of it and like most of these guys it's always cats that they end up going after Wow. Well, is it good. the easiest is that why I don't know. I think they're just was... dislikable
1: animals, Dave. No one likes cats. A lot of people like cats. I hate cats. I hate cats.
2: I think it was Richard Chase, when I was reading about it, where it said that it was like a female thing, <laughs> like that cats were like, they represented more of a female type animal. So and if that's, that's
0: what you're... That, that makes sense, I guess.
2: ...drawn to kind of attacking
1: yeah. or, hurting or killing, then that's what you would do. Maybe because they also don't show... They're, they're more... They're household pets, so they're readily available, and you, I think in general people become more attached to dogs because they're they show
0: yeah
1: feeling back or attention back or love so cats you know they're heartless soulless creatures
0: so <laughs> you can get a free cat any day of the week right. everyone's giving away kittens right go to
1: richard chase's house he's got a whole bunch of probably cats and bunnies and all that stuff yeah i mean
2: he had bunnies for days
0: then we make them murdering the pussy jokes about richard chase <laughs> yeah. and his cats we did this broken d <laughs>
2: Uh, the family had two cats, one of which he buried alive, and then later dug it up and stored stored its remains in the closet of their house. <laughs> did he have some
0: Febreze? How did that work? <laughs> His mom
2: found it, and somehow he he explained it away hmm. and and got himself out of the. It's amazing how in
1: all these stories, like the parents just let so much go without addressing it. It was the same thing, not to keep going back to the Richard Chase, but like when he was, when he, his mom saw him kill the, the, those animals right in front of her, in front of her. And now Mm -hmm. mom finds this and doesn't address it with anybody. Even if she didn't know it was him, you find a dead cat in your house. You're not going to address that with someone.
2: Yeah. I mean, what year is this? 64, I think. Oh, even earlier. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Who knows? I mean, I would think it's weird as fuck if Michael had a dead animal in his... Right. I feel like, what? why? What's I mean, if you just here? opened
1: your linen closet and there's a dead cat in there, you're not going to be like, this is
2: odd. Yeah. But yeah, so he he explained it away and then he killed the other cat by using a machete and he, he chopped the top of its head off, like chopped its head in half. Hmm. So.
0: At least that was quick. Not buried alone. <laughs> it's a little butter.
2: Right? Um, at the age of 14, Ed ran away in search of his father. Um, he ended up finding his father in Van Nuys, California. His father had remarried and had other children and didn't want Ed staying with them. Ed said that him just being around gave his mother, his stepmother, migraines.
0: <laughs> it's a self esteem booster. <laughs> Jeez.
2: Have this lady telling you that you give her migraines all the time, just being there? <laughs>
0: We're seeing a blueprint for a, a future series. Yeah, I'm starting to get why he hates females.
2: Yeah. Well, and it's just it's just like a bunch of letdown, you know. He mm-hmm. idol absolutely idolized his father and he had this made up idea of their relationship in his head and then he gets out there and it's Yep. You know.
0: He doesn't want want
2: him Right. Um, and so he was sent to live with his father's parents on a seventeen acre farm in Norfolk, California. And I didn't put it in the outline, but Clarnell already knew about the the animal killing. Like she and the other weird. I mean, she already thought he was weird. She's for no reason, right? She thought he was weird. I beyond mean, she, that. Yeah, I mean, she's quoted as calling him a weirdo. Quote weirdo. So <laughs> she actually called his father and said, and when she heard that he was going to live with his grandparents, she said, "Don't be surprised if you wake up one morning and he's killed them both of them."
0: Wow.
2: Yeah, man. That's creepy. I wonder what's coming next. <laughs> so, and then going back to what we were kind of talking about earlier with the issues between Ed's mom and dad. Like we were saying, it's not really said, but Ed's father described being with Clarnell was scarier than suicide missions. He, car- <laughs> he carried out dur- while he was enlisted during war. How, <sighs> the love how, of a good woman. How
1: terrifying was <laughs> this lady?
2: I know.
0: <laughs> like I said, zero chance. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you got to be a pretty terrifying woman to.
0: Yeah,
1: this guy gets doesn't get PTSD from war; gets PTSD from his marriage with her. Right. <laughs> Wakes up in the middle of the night screaming in a cold sweat.
2: So Ed showing up there looking to get away from Clarnell to be rejected by his dad is a huge self esteem. You know, a hit to his self esteem. Oh, yeah.
0: He has love from nowhere.
2: Right, and it's, and especially his dad. I mean, his dad knew how bad it was living with her. Right. You know clearly. Um, I mean I guess you could say that he sent him with his instead of sending him back he sent him with his grandparents. It did maybe the
1: next best thing for him. Yeah.
2: Or... Um Ed got along with his grandfather really well but didn't get along with his grandmother. No you don't say. <laughs> uh his grand they said his grandma was a very strict disciplinarian so
0: She was just like Clarnell I think.
2: Yeah. Are there any nice women in the story? N- no not in not in Ed's life all just very stern strict women. And because it was typical, then like all like young boys being a Boy Scout and stuff, they bought him a twenty two rifle for Christmas.
1: Well, and they lived on a big farm too. Yeah, right? so they probably did a lot of shooting and stuff.
2: Right, um, and he used it for small game hunting. So Ed had been acting irresponsibly with the gun, was shooting animals that he wasn't supposed to be shooting and stuff like that. So he got it taken off of him, and he was pretty upset about that. And again, he's like 14, 15 here. Yeah. And his grandma used to take it with her when she went out of the house. And he's even quoted as saying, you know, after everything, that could you believe it? She took the gun. She didn't trust me with the gun. She would take it out and not trust me with it. (laughs) Well, I sure hope she had her CCW. (laughs) So ultimately, on August 27th, 1964 ed was 15 years old and he used the rifle to shoot his grandmother in the back of the head as she sat at the dining room table typing a children's book that she was working on writing
0: can i interject with the ed kemper quote here sure quote i just wanted to see how it felt to shoot
2: grandma end quote yep (laughs) and then he grabbed his uh, kitchen knife stabbed her three times and said that he claimed he wanted it to end quickly so she didn't the, suffer. The shooting her three times wouldn't have ended it quickly. <laughs> right. I mean, was she still alive after that? But that makes the, his quote about her not trusting him with a gun even more ridiculous. Right. That he would say <laughs> that after the fact.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, I get the curiosity thing about wanting to kill someone, but but grandma?
1: Well, she was mean to him. <sighs> it was what one is? too many strict women. It's the other thing, I you know, I think that's interesting about this story as we're going to get through as we go on here is, I mean, the quotes this guy has mm-hmm. are pretty amazing and funny and fantastic, like, you know, in their own sense. And I mean, we'll we'll talk about how smart he ends up being, but
2: yeah. Oh, yeah. he's got some great quotes. They're like bits. Yeah. yeah. There was even, there's even an interview at one point. I don't I can't. He has so many of them. I can't remember which one yeah. it is. But the interviewer was like, like interrupting him. He was like, hold on, buddy. You're going to ruin the bit. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's got this stuff planned out. Yeah, yeah.
0: He
1: he sees all these interviews and documentaries and FBI profiling of him as just a chance to get his routine out there. Yeah, pretty
2: much. But
1: I mean, well, I guess we'll get in we'll we'll talk about that down the
0: line. He just wants to be
2: liked. Yeah.
0: Yeah. A little love would have went a long way with this guy. And let me just make a clarification when I said I get the curiosity thing about wanting to kill someone. <laughs> I mean in the context of this story, not
1: Little me, Bo not peep me ruined personally. You. Little Bo Peep ruined
2: <laughs> you. You're gonna
0: be questioning everything you say just now. Just want to
2: make that clear. Mix that in with your burning G.I. Joes. Yeah, I have no oh, great, it starts. I have no
0: curiosity to commit murder.
1: Two years from now, Mike and Ian are going to do the Necronomapod episode <laughs> on Dave's ruthless Medina serial killer.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All the signs were there and Mike and Ian did jack shit about it. So Ed's grandfather wasn't home at the time. When his grandfather returned home, Ed said that they had a brief interaction where his grandfather waved to him outside as he pulled up in his truck. And Ed waited till his grandfather turned his back, and then he shot him and killed him immediately. And he said he did that because he didn't want his grandfather to find his grandmother dead. He seems to do a lot of this excuse stuff with not wanting somebody to find something. Yeah. So,
1: like, he was afraid he was going to get in trouble? Or in his mind, he didn't want his grandpa to be upset?
2: He didn't want his grandpa
1: to
0: be upset. Yeah, so, so maybe, he thought he might be protecting his grandpa. Yeah, like, that was the one person that actually loved him. His grandfather? It, and he yeah, to it protect like, him from this? Yeah. That's what I got out of it. Yeah.
2: But he does it later on with the first two girls that he kills. Yeah. He kind of plays that game again with this whole, I didn't want her to, f-, you know. Right. I don't know. That's like this weird sympathy thing that he does. Um, he likes
0: to put himself in a good light and put a well, positive yeah. spin on all this stuff.
2: Well, yeah. If you yeah, listen to his stuff, nothing's ever his fault. Right. You know, it's always. He's the victim. Yeah. Yeah. But that being said, he's always very honest about everything in the sense of... Somewhat. I mean, does he lie about stuff? His stories change from time to time. Does it? I think it depends on who he's talking to and what well, reaction... Well, if the bit didn't work out, he's got to change right. it a little bit to get a chuckle. Exactly. So this was the first time that Ed had, had a, a case of like extreme paranoia that he'll have later on down the road. But he, he immediately felt that the whole world knew what he had just done... And that the police were gonna be there any minute to come arrest him. But no you know, no one knows. They're in the middle of nowhere on a right. farm, but <laughs> in he's, his mind he's automatically in trouble. Right. Um he eventually called his mom and told her what he did and then he was arrested. And for killing his grandparents, he was committed to the Atascadera State Hospital for the criminally insane. You think when he called Clarnell, he
0: was like, you fucking weirdo. I knew you were going to kill your grandparents.
2: Oh, great. It's one of those. I
1: told you so.
0: (laughs) I told your father you'd murder your grandparents.
2: So once Ed was checked into um, into the hospital, he was diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic. At that time, that seemed to be like a blanket thing to diagnose people as because he clearly was not schizophrenic. He was just a sociopath. Yeah. Um, they probably didn't have much um, you know, evidence studying people like this. So. Right, yeah. Because we're
1: still in the 50s, right? This is still the 50s, we're in maybe early 60s. 64 now, yeah. Oh, early 60s now.
0: Was that before or after Marilyn Monroe was killed or <laughs> committed suicide? <laughs> it was 62, as we corrected.
2: <laughs> yeah, but it, it was just like for anybody that did something out of line violently and was sent to a hospital, it was like immediately yeah. schizophrenic. But given Ed's high IQ of 145 and his personality for wanting to be accepted by people and not be rejected.
0: I mean, and 145 is genius level IQ. Yeah. This guy's a genius.
2: Being institutionalized was like the perfect environment for him to to figure everything out. He was considered a model inmate and was given special privileges. And this one's just kind of ridiculous, but I mean, who would have known? One of his privileges was that he was allowed to deliver tests and test results from office to office in the hospital. He's practically on the payroll. Yeah, but I mean, he's so smart. Yeah. He was just he, you know, he just starts to memorize this stuff, and he,
0: he knows exactly what they want to hear. Right. Yeah. Genius. But that's what you'd expect from a sociopath with a. 145 million. Yeah, I mean that's a yeah. that's
2: a dangerous person. A yeah. sociopath. That, that's that smart. Exactly. Yeah, and so mainly he was just memorizing what the results were that they were looking for and how to work the system. And you got to think too he already had the weird sexual stuff going on with like death. And now he's sitting there spending from 15 to 21 with rapists and other mentally right? You know. So he's got he's learning from everybody and, and figuring out how to how to work this system. It's all just compounding. And at, at age of twenty-one, he was ish, he was released into the care of his mother.
0: <laughs> That's a good idea.
2: <laughs> and he was at that time he was full grown, 6'9", 280 pounds.
1: I mean, this guy,
2: he'd be like the perfect WrestleMania opponent for
1: the undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> like just a big man with a with a personality that you can make just a monster heel. Yep. Like, this is... Uh, He's a big dude. six nine two eighty. That's a big motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um,
2: when he got out, he got his GED, and he really wanted to be a police officer, but he ended up taking a job with the California Highway Department.
1: Can you imagine committing a crime, and you see a 6'9", 290 <laughs> cop coming at you?
2: Well, they, they turned him down because he was too big. Yeah. They say he was just too big for the cars and... And everything running after too people. much of a
1: bumblebutt yeah. couldn't pass the test probably the physical test. <laughs> It'd have been like if Barney Fife was six nine two eighty. That would right. have been uh, that would have been Ed Kemper.
2: Well, and because he was trying to fit in and whatever, he bought a motorcycle. But because he's so big, he wrecked it. And then <laughs> and then he went, and then he bought another one. And then he wrecked that. And so that's when he used the settlement money to get the um. The yellow two door 1969 Ford Galaxy hmm. that he would ultimately do all his hit- picking up all his hitchhikers in. Hmm. Is there
1: pictures of that car that you've seen?
2: I'm sure. I mean, sure we could find a Ford Galaxy picture. But yeah, I don't know about his. Pictures of his.
1: I'll look
2: for him. We'll see. But can you imagine this time this huge dude in this tiny two door Ford it's Galaxy? It's comical. Much of this story is
1: comical. If it wasn't for the fact that this guy ended up being a piece of shit murderer, this yeah. would be a hilarious sitcom. Yeah. A 6 9 like, just
2: bumble butt, like, just, um, what the hell's the word I'm looking for? Klutz. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if it didn't result in a bunch of people actually being killed. I mean, this is horrific stuff this guy does. Well, That's right. Great. That's what I'm saying. If yeah. that
1: didn't happen, it would have been great. It's hard
2: to make jokes about it, even. So as you can imagine, life with Clarnell wasn't any better than it was before. She was still parading him constantly. And at that time, she was on her third divorce. Men just love she, her. Yeah. <laughs> but she was working as a secretary at the new California University of Santa Cruz. Ed began giving giving female students and hitchhikers around campuses rides. His mom gave him a parking sticker to get onto campus. The and, nicest
1: thing she ever did for him. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so she could come pick him up, or so he could come pick her up. He used that as a thing to reassure girls to get in the car with him, like you know,
0: because it showed he was like a student. Or like an he was a student. Or, yeah, you know. I mean, I know things are different now, but there's an awful lot of hitchhiking back then. That just seems so. It's like the thing to do. It seems like. But even at that time, you know, up in the the Northwest and and the West Coast, there were you know the Zodiac killer and. I mean, yeah. Ted Bundy was operating around that time. I mean, there were a right. lot of unsolved, you know, murders of young women. Like, yeah. it just seems weird that that they wouldn't be more reluctant to get into a car with strangers.
1: Yeah, I especially six foot nine, three
2: hundred pound strangers. Yeah. yeah,
0: I just can't imagine these girls getting in the car with this guy.
2: But look at the, um the whole Texas killing fields. Thing. There's like well over 30 murders mm. that are unsolved. And I think it's all like hitchhikers yeah. and stuff through Texas. It's weird. I don't know. I guess it was a big thing to do back yeah. then. It seems it... so risky. Hippies, man. <laughs> well, that's why if, like, if I see somebody hitchhiking like now, every once in a while you'll see yeah, somebody with yeah. their thumb on I'm like, are you fucking kidding right. me? Like,
1: Isn't it crazy now you see a hitchhiker and you think they're the serial killer? Right. But yeah. back then, right. the hitchhikers were always the victims. A lot of hitchhikers get such a bad rap.
2: I don't know. I yeah, I don't know. That's weird. I'm no, don't get me wrong. I'm still not picking up a hitchhiker. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> so Ed used the hitchhikers to kind of figure out a way to interact with with um, with females.
1: Because it's one Cause, of the first times in his life that he's interacting with females who don't hate his guts, right? Or belittling him or telling him what to do.
2: So he and he had no um, he had no social skills really, especially mm-hmm. with women.
0: Well, those you know, sixteen to twenty-one, he was pretty much just in solitary confinement in the mental hospitals. So right. That's the age when you hone those those social skills.
2: He figured out, just like he did in the hospital, how to manipulate the situation and what they, if he said something weird, how they would react, you know, just figure out how to talk to them to make, get them comfortable. And he even went down to, like, how to dress, like, certain glasses to wear.
0: He's fine-tuning the whole persona. Right. Kind of figuring out what works and what doesn't.
2: Yeah. He also learned quick that acting annoyed while being asked for a ride was a great way to get people to like drop their guard. Like if someone wanted a ride and he's like, "I don't know, I don't know how much time I got here mm, right. or whatever." Cuz then that person probably feels like they're in control, like they're pressuring him for the mm, ride. Right.
1: He's not seeming overly excited and creeping on them to get him in. Exactly. That makes sense.
2: Smart. And that was one of his big uh one of his big things that he did.
0: He's evolving into a predator.
2: And he would start doing small stuff. And like we were talking about when we did Richard Chase, you just see how far you can go. He started to kind of stray away from the route to take these women where they were going see how they would react or how many of them would notice that they were actually going the wrong way. Just testing the limits. Yeah. Get
1: away with almost like making a game of it, but also like learning what. Right.
2: And then he started carrying a 22 handgun with him eventually. Between this time, too, it's not like he just did this every once in a while. He was taking, like, hundreds mm-hmm. of of hitchhikers around at this mm-hmm. time. So. Was he picking up guys, too? No, only women. Only women. Yeah. Yeah, it was only, um, like, petite. Pretty much the women that his mom said would never have the time of day for him. And then, of course, this is obviously
1: testing the limits, pushing, seeing how far he can go. This is obviously building to something bigger and greater, which we'll get into next.
2: so on may 7th 1972 ed finally decided to uh to put into action what he had been building up to he was driving in berkeley california when he picked up two 18 year old hitchhikers that were fresno state students marianne pesci and anita mary luchessa they believed that he was going to be taking them to stanford university after driving for an hour he managed to reach a secluded wooded area ...near Almeida, which he was familiar with from working at the highway department. Without alerting the two girls, he had changed the directions from where they had wanted to go. And here, he intended to rape them. But having learned from the serial rapists at the mental hospital, the number one rule is to not leave witnesses. So,
0: Yeah. Great education. (laughs) (laughs) Right.
2: right. So he, instead of just going through with raping them, he handcuffed Pesci and locked Luchessa in the trunk... He stabbed and strangled Pesci to death before killing Luchessa in a similar manner. In his confession, he said that while he was handcuffing Pesci, he brushed the back of his hand against one of her breasts and said it embarrassed him. And then he said that he even said, whoops, I'm sorry.
1: I'm sorry I touched your breast. I'm going to finish killing you right. now if you don't mind.
2: Yeah, and then in the interview I was watching too, he said he didn't want to... He didn't want to touch her breast again, so he stabbed her in the stomach instead of the chest, and he was, and he said, I'm sure it hurt her a lot worse to stab her in the stomach, but I didn't want to touch her breast again.
0: So he preserved her modesty, though. I mean,
2: That's what should... I mean with this weird yeah. sympathy kind of thing. Well, yeah, he's trying to be the hero. He's, yeah. like, he's a gentleman.
0: It's not his fault. He's a victim.
2: It's like, no, you're not a gentleman. You just fucking killed this girl. Right. Um, yeah, the whole
0: politeness thing is very strange. Yeah, it's a,
2: yeah it's a weird aspect to it. Well, the, the somewhat politeness, I guess. Well, as yeah. polite as you can be as you're stabbing Pseudo someone breaks. in the stomach
1: and raping them. and
2: He went back around and let Luchessa out of the trunk. And she asked, what happened to my friend? And he said, your friend wasn't listening to me. I broke her nose because she saw blood on him. And he said, I broke her nose. Come check on her. And then he strangled and stabbed her. Wow. So, and then he put both of their bodies in the trunk of his car and returned home to his apartment. And he was stopped on the way by a police officer for having a broken taillight. But the officer didn't...
1: Didn't suspect anything. Yeah, didn't yeah, check just anything. Just pulled him over for the taillight. Yeah. Another what if. Right.
2: Yeah. And I know in another interview, Kemper said that if he would have actually looked anything, he had, he was fully prepared to kill the, the cop yeah. right then oh, and there. Sure, yeah. He even wow. suggested
0: to the cop. Right, you can look in the trunk if you want. Yeah, like the did he really? Like, oh yeah, this 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 guy's very helpful. I don't need to check. Right. Yeah.
1: Well, I got yeah. Again, kind of playing up like the way he would be annoyed if they asked him for a ride. Like yeah. feed into like just like the normal yeah. yeah. What you think people would expect a normal person to be like? Right. If you have nothing to hide. Yep. Yeah. Look in the trunk.
2: So he took and at that time he was living with a roommate in an apartment. Um, he took the bodies back to his apartment. While his roommate wasn't home, where he took some Polaroid photographs of them, had sexual intercourses with the bodies, and then dismembered them in the bathtub using an axe. So I'd like to interject another quote here. So Ed said he kept the heads around for a while and one day he was
0: staring at it and somehow fell onto the floor making a huge bang. So Ed said the neighbor downstairs hates my guts. I'm always making noise late at night. He gets a broom and whacks on the ceiling. I'd say, sorry, buddy. Sorry, I must have dropped my head. That would bring me out of the
2: depression. <laughs> this guy He's cracking himself up. He's
1: cracking himself up with the sadistic shit.
2: But could you imagine just being the guy downstairs and hearing him going, Sorry, I dropped my head. And you're eh. thinking like, fucking asshole. Whatever I right. did he just really quick. did drop a head.
0: How That's about crazy. the roommate?
2: Imagine you're the roommate of this fucking guy. Yeah.
0: I'd love to hear some of those stories. We to, can we get that guy on our podcast? Right. It's probably like those girls that lived with Richard Chase. Exactly. They're probably like, fuck. We keep going
1: back to that episode. Whew. Check it out. It's in our archives.
2: Um, eventually, he bagged up their their body parts into plastic bags, and he abandoned them near Loma Prieta Mountain. Hopefully, I'm saying it right. Before disposing of... Because like you said, Dave, he kept the heads around for a while. Yeah. So before he got rid of the heads he engaged in irrimatio with both of their heads
1: oh this has become dave's one of dave's favorite subjects to explore
2: (laughs)
0: well i mean it's one of the most interesting things i learned about this this whole fellatio versus irumatio so you get into the skull fucking comment we made so fellatio is the act the active with the girl being active and Iromatio would be where you get into the skull fucking so the girls pass it. So yeah. some of you So it's with, who's the
1: aggressor in that situation. Yeah, I, yeah. I
0: never heard that word before. Irmatio. No, some of you with you know less than enthusiastic partners may be more familiar with irrumatio than <laughs> fellatio.
1: Necronomipod, come for the serial killer, stay for the sex ed. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Do you think that how do you think what it would be with Olivia Wilde, Dave? I think. I mean, so. you might be a little excited, so it might turn into irrematio.
0: Well, but her blumpkin was clearly fallatio on her part that we. Uh, well, we,
1: only you know. You well, saw it. That's why I would that's imagine why I'm telling you. that that. Um, she was fellating,
0: not being irremated. What's his
1: name? Well, who 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 did you? Jason Sedakis. Jason Sedakis. I mean, I guess you could be sitting on a toilet, moving up and down, <laughs> kind of being the aggressor. <laughs> it's kind of odd, but all right.
0: Yeah. Definitely very enthusiastic, Olivia Waddle. Okay, good to know. So, yeah, he... Um and let's just clarify, that was from our remote viewing experiment, not from my personal <laughs> <true>. carnal knowledge. <laughs> well, it's from
1: our remote viewing experience, which was in the Art Bell episode, yeah. if I'm
0: not mistaken.
1: So, go back and listen to that one if you haven't heard the Art Bell episode. Great episode. Very fascinating.
0: Great Blumpkin.
2: <laughs> so, after he... Um After he was done doing all that with the severed heads, he disposed of them as well. In August, uh, Pesci's skull was found on that mountain, and after a long search, the rest of Pesci's remains, or any trace of Luchessa, they were never found.
0: I mean, we make jokes, but this is a vile, horrific story.
2: Oh, it's terrible. You just have
0: to joke about it to even get through it, but I mean, this is awful. I mean, it's fu- It's interesting to talk like in the abstract, but if you sit there and think about what, like having fucking severed heads like on your shoulder,
1: oh, I in your know, I, I,
2: I, yeah, because they're not going to be it's like crazy. It's not going to be like just look like your head. It's going to be like fucking decaying, yes, and all, right. all purple or, but, or whatever. Well, obviously, he didn't mind that though. Well, no, he but didn't I'm care. Just but yeah, how
1: long do you keep that around? And then maybe that do you keep them around until you're disgusted by them? Then you throw them out. and You're like, oh, time to get a new one.
2: Yeah, maybe. That's like, what I
1: mean. Like in between this four
0: months. How long did that satisfy
1: you? Yeah. A four, yeah. So do you, like, having a decaying head in your apartment for four months.
0: Like, do you have downtime where you're just kind of watching, I don't know, what was on TV back then? Gunsmoke or something? You just <laughs> glance over this fucking head on
1: your shoulder. Well, to, but to him,
2: wasn't it was like a trophy to him. It's just, man, that's weird. <laughs> it's weird. It's crazy. So, yeah, I mean, who knows what he was up to for those four months? <laughs>
0: Nothing good, man. No. Nothing good.
2: But on the evening of September 14th, 1972, Ed picked up 15-year-old Korean dance student Aiko Koo. She had decided to hitchhike to dance class after missing her bus. I mean, all of these victims are sad, but that's just even like, fi- it, one, she's 15. Ugh. Two, she's just trying to get to class right. and missed her bus. He drove her to a remote area, pulled his gun on her, and he didn't say he was going to kill her. He said that he was going to kill himself and wanted somebody to to watch it. But still, she was completely terrified. And he got out of the car to go around, and he ended up locking his keys and his gun inside the car. So he's completely fucked at this point. Right, right. She's in there with all the weapons and has them locked out. But she was so terrified, he ended up talking her into letting him back in the car. Which is just nuts. That's crazy. I mean, I understand she's a
1: kid. Yeah. She's a
2: kid, and she's scared, but... Because he didn't know... or. I'm, th- I'm trying to put myself in her shoes a little bit and thinking alright this guy's saying he wants to kill himself he's not saying he's gonna hurt me mm-hmm. you know and at the same time she doesn't know where she is right. she's a kid right. there's no cell phones she needs to get home somehow and she's a really petite small little girl and you've got this 6'9 right. 300 pound dude yeah and, fucking you know. Shrek
0: over here <laughs> so she didn't blast him through the window like she probably but should. then even
1: if she did what would she do in a remote area she yeah. can't drive she, you know she oh, might not yeah. even know how to turn a car on
2: yeah, yeah that's true too yeah just yeah a terrible situation so once he ended up talking her into letting him back in the car he choked her unconscious he raped her and then then killed her
1: Ugh. right there like as soon as he got back in the car it just yeah, happened
2: just did it. and he packed her body into the trunk of his car and he even was just bold enough with it that he stopped by a nearby bar and had a couple of beers before he went home. The cop bar cuz he liked to hang out at a cop bar. Yeah, it's called the Jury Room, I think.
0: Yeah. What kind of control does it take to kill a kid like that and then go sit down and have a few drinks at a cop bar? Like is not your adrenaline? I mean, maybe just, that's
1: why he had to go get a drink. Maybe he would, you know. I'd,
0: like even just getting pulled over and given a speeding ticket gives, you know, me a, a decent amount of adrenaline, mm-hmm. but to go murder someone like that and just go sit down and have a few Cocktails. and yeah and be able it to just maintain seems composure. unimaginable yeah exactly
2: I think he's like the most extreme version of a sociopath of any of these uh the, the big serial killers I, mean, I think yeah. maybe it has something to do with his IQ, how high his IQ is and so do you with think it.
1: Yeah. is he playing himself still up to be the victim at this time you I think know, he's just like, a ho- completely like hollow person. He has pity for himself because he's been treated bad his whole life and yeah. he has no real emotional feelings towards women. That's probably a good part of it. So he's going to go, you know...
0: It's nothing to... S- yeah. Have
1: I, self-pity and drink beer and...
2: I don't think he feels anything at all. You don't think he has any of that? No like feeling making at himself all.
1: a victim, I mean.
2: At this yeah, point. but I mean, I don't think he would even know what it felt like to even be sad. I think yeah. it's all manufactured... Well, I don't mean sad in the
1: killings, though. I mean just, like, again, I'm the victim. Right. Nothing goes my way. Yeah. You don't even
2: necessarily think he was... I think it's all just a manipulation game. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't really think there's any substance to him at all as far as what would make up a normal person.
0: I think you're right. Because a normal person can't do that. No. Or that even, like that.
2: even remotely do that, right. you know, or even... They get into a fight with, like a fist fight with somebody and then just like nothing even happened. You know, you would at least have some adrenaline going or something. It was
0: like stepping on a bug for him. It was was nothing.
2: Um, He was quoted too as saying when he got out of the bar, he went back to his trunk and opened it and he said, quote, he was admiring his catch like a fisherman.
0: Yeah. It goes to what we were just
2: saying. Yeah back at his apartment he had sexual intercourse with her body before dismembering her and disposing of her remains like he did before there's another gap here because the next time he does something is on january 7th 1973 so that's another what
0: another four months so he's at uh four month intervals here
2: yeah yeah so it's another however long he decided to keep the remains around or whatever he was doing
0: i bet those intervals get shorter and shorter (laughs) <laughs> Foreshadowing? I'm just well, guessing. Foreshadowing. Yeah,
2: so January 7th, 1973, Ed, for whatever reason, moved back in with his mom.
1: Yeah, he just can't kind of get away from her. <clears throat> right. Comes out of the hospital and lives back with her. And
0: Yeah, but when... <laughs> is that going to cramp your style a little bit if you're living with mom and dismembering and uh, fucking corpses? You would think strategically. Ma, I'm, I'm trying to get
1: you.
2: some <laughs> Irramesio down here. mom <laughs> right. Ma! Can't you see the sock on the doorknob? <laughs> <laughs> he was um So on this on that seventh he was driving around Cabrillo College campus when he picked up eighteen year old student, Cynthia Ann Shaw. He drove her to a remote wooded area and shot her with the twenty two caliber pistol and just like the other ones, put her body in his trunk and drove to his mother's house where he kept her body hidden in a closet.
0: You know what else he's mixed. he's uh Mixing up or, or staggering his methods of killing, strangling, stabbing, now he's using the twenty two. Yeah. Yeah, he's mixing it up. Yeah.
1: Is that common What's with that? serial killers to mix up the way they kill, or is it typically they have their one method?
0: Yeah, I don't think it's very common. Yeah,
1: it's not very common. It's interesting then then why he would do that. Yeah. I think do you that think there th- was more for him sexual gratification to like strangle someone and have that like contact? Or do you think it was more so he just got the gratification of using their corpse? I don't know. Good question. It didn't yeah. seem like he was sexually attracted to like the women when they were alive. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just, like, not to make a joke of it, he yeah. was more into the after effect. I, I, I think that's right. Which would then maybe make you think maybe it was nothing to the choking that would get him off. Yeah, or
0: anything he probably like got that. bored with the method of killing, so he mixed it up. Yeah. it was really yeah, like you said, waiting to get to the next part.
1: It's also interesting that like with his grandma, he didn't want her to suffer, so he shot her and then stabbed her. But then you're gonna strangle people. Clearly, they're gonna suffer. Yeah, and or like you He'll said, stab the one girl in the stomach. Yeah. So he's he's becoming more. But then he had pushing ex- the limits into into. Torturing them, almost.
2: Right, but they had an excuse for the stabbing the girl in the stomach because he, he didn't want to touch her breasts. Yeah. So, well, the guy's
0: not a creep. I mean,
2: come on. <laughs> <laughs> it has got a little bit of class, right? <laughs> Boy. So when his mom left for work the next morning, he had sexual intercourse with Cynthia's corpse. He removed the bullet from her head and then dismembered her in his mom's bathtub. And it's an interesting thing, too. I didn't know before... Or I didn't have in the outline, but every time he shot one person, he took the bullet out of their head for whatever reason. Well, so couldn't so they didn't couldn't identify right. If uh, yeah, found, I don't know like if that did, was they, it, they, or they would know what kind of bullet it was, what kind of gun was used. Right. Yeah, probably. Yeah, because there's even there's quotes of him saying that he used to watch police shows and stuff, and talked all the police to get the 1960s version of Cops <laughs> and Live <laughs> PD yeah. or whatever that show
1: is. <laughs> Law and Order was probably on back then, right? That show has been on forever.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like the but the other ones, he kept her sever, her severed head for for several days. And with this one, he said that he was regularly engaging in irrematio oh with her head. God. The scene in this place, it, it's just yeah unimaginable. I, I, I mean, I don't know. You would have to assume. I mean, I've never smelled a dead body before, but I would just assume that if it was in your clo- in hiding in a closet in your house, wouldn't you smell it by the next day? Absolutely. At least? Yes. Wouldn't Let you smell something be like, what the fuck? months later. So years
1: ago, when I graduated um, from college, I went on a, it was, I had a history degree. I went on a World War II trip after graduation. And we went to, and I can't remember the museum. I believe it was somewhere in London. But it was a World War II museum and they had a room that was like a makeshift like bunker type. And there were, there was like the noise and smoke and bombs mm-hmm. going off. And one of the like the scent they had going through was the scent of rotting flesh. Really? And it, it wasn't wow. very strong. It was very faint, but it was sickening. Like it, yeah. it was not pleasant. And let alone having this be strong and in your room. But I just always remember that because I remember thinking like, this is, this is terrible. That's interesting.
0: And let alone putting your cock in it. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Being able to get off on that.
2: Yeah. And he kind of switched it up with, with Shaw's head. There's two different accounts and then both accounts come from him. The first one that he's on record giving was that he buried her head in the ground facing up at his mom's window because He said his mother always wanted people to look up to her. Here you go, Mom. Fuck you.
0: This is next level stuff. And
2: the other thing that he said about her head was that he would pretend to have a relationship with it. Like he would lay there at night and (laughs) pretend like he was talking to her head while it was buried out in the yard. And I don't know. I, I feel like the first one, the always looking up at her thing, is more along his style with this like... Tonight Show bit jokes yeah. kind of thing. I feel like the other one was him, like, maybe trying to freak whoever he was talking to out, you know, like, get that. With what? With, like, the having the relationship yeah. with Yeah. So you don't think he actually was doing that? If I had to guess, I would say probably not. Do you, it do you like think he, he was ever having
1: the corpse, like, in bed with him and acting like it was, like, his wife? Like, having, like,
2: a uh, relationship? Well, no, he said that he, what he was saying was that he buried the head. Mm-hmm. And then when he would be laying in his own bed, he would like be pretending like he and the head were having a conversation. So the head's in the ground. Right. Sure. Yeah. Okay,
1: That makes sense.
2: But I think that was just I mean, it uh, doesn't make sense no. at all. But I understand what you're saying. Yeah. That, I think that was just a play up to whoever he was talking to at the time.
1: What my question was, though, is like he's he's always wanted to be liked and have friends and and, you know, to be accepted by women. Do you think, did he ever actually play up like a relationship with these corpses that were there? Or were they merely just kind of hacked up? He would fuck them and then get yeah, rid I mean, of their
2: parts. Who yeah. knows, maybe. Yeah, I mean, he... That's all know. I just did. Yeah, I we mean, might not ever know that, but...
0: Right. You know, it was interesting you mentioned Tonight Show, a bit because he was born in uh, Burbank there, I just remember, where they Johnny... Yeah.
2: He missed his calling, maybe. He discarded the rest of her remains by throwing them off a cliff. And over the course of the following weeks, everything but her head was found. The police had it they were quoted as saying that they were it was pieced together like a macabre jigsaw puzzle. That's pretty wild. Yeah. Fucked up. Yeah, and they they had determined that he had cut her into pieces with a power saw. Oh gosh. So and it's it this is it's getting a little closer, like you said, Dave. He doesn't wait very long this time. On February fifth, nineteen seventy three, which was a month later, yeah, yeah. Um, But that night, he had a heated argument with his mom, and he just left the house in search of possible victims. Okay, so at this point,
0: what girls are still getting in a fucking car?
2: I think the sticker. How I think the (sighs) sticker is the biggest thing, because I guess that and whatever kind of personality he was
0: presenting.
2: Well, because he they said too, like the girls would be like oh you hear about this guy going around and right he,
0: as he was driving them I mean, right be talking about and he'd himself, be like oh what do you yeah. think a
2: guy like that looks like or talks like and he would be molding you yeah. know Ugh. what they would think but i really do i think it was that sticker I, I get that but anyone can get a fucking bumper sticker it's just
0: ridiculous
2: but, and then I guess it, and it's the hippie era. I guess everybody's a lot more yeah, freer
0: with. There's fucking corpses floating there. up everywhere. <laughs> I, I don't I don't get it. But yeah, yeah, different time.
2: But and then the other thing too uh, that I just thought of is that the universities told people only get in cars with people that had stickers. Which so what so they're being told a terrible thing. Yeah, yeah. It's not
1: quite responsible.
2: So on the fifth, he encountered twenty-three-year-old Rosalind Heather Thorpe and twenty-year-old Alice Helen Lou on the UCSC campus. According to Ed, Thorpe entered his car first, which reassured Lou to also enter. And then, he, and he didn't waste any time with it. He immediately shot Thorpe and Lou with his twenty-two caliber pistol and wrapped their bodies in blankets. I mean, he was still on campus at this point. Yeah, He's getting, that's pretty bold. Yeah, well, I think it's. A fever pitch. Yeah, I think it's this fight with his mom. Because yeah. he, again, him just like playing off stuff, whatever. In the interview talking about this one, he said that we, me and mom had a real tiff. <laughs> so tiff. He was super fired up. And then he brought the victims back to his mom's house. This time he beheaded them in, inside the trunk of his car and carried their headless corpses into his mother's house to have sexual intercourse with them. He then dismembered their bodies, removed the bullets to prevent any identification, and then the next morning discarded their remains.
0: Hmm.
2: Man. So that that was a real ramped up yeah. experience that a, there. Yeah. That was a
1: hell of a tiff with his mom.
2: Right. Uh the remains were found at Eden Canyon a week later, and more were found near Highway One in that area in March.
1: Like a month later than they were finding these body yeah.
2: parts. So I'll interject
0: here with another uh, Ed Kemper quote from his uh, interview later. The head trip fantasies were a bit like a trophy. You know, the head is where everything is at. The brain, eyes, mouth. That's the person. I remember being told as a kid, you cut off the head and the body dies. The body is nothing after the head is cut off. Well, that's not quite true. There's a lot left in the girl's body without the head. Yikes. It's a lot to
1: that. I don't even know what
2: to say about that. There's a
1: lot to that one.
2: So on April 20th, 1973, after coming home for a party, Clarnell woke Ed up when she came in. And she was sitting in bed reading a book. And she noticed Ed come into her room. And she said to him, I suppose you're going to want to sit up all night and talk now. And Ed just replied, Nope, good night. What a nice mother. Yeah, so loving and caring. But I mean, I don't know. At that, you, you would imagine he probably wanted to do that all the time—just mm. sit and talk and whatever. And he's older now. I mean, I I'm mean, not saying so. I'm not like defending her. I'm just saying a little love when he was a ten-year-old might have gone. Yeah, yeah might have fixed all of this. You, um, you reap what you sow also a few
1: blowjobs, and you might not have had three different husbands all leave your ass. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he, he then waited for her to fall asleep, and he returned and beat her head in with a claw hammer, and then slit her throat. I'll show so, you, ma. Yeah. What's a claw hammer? Like a It's like a gardening. Thing. I mean, I know how a hammer works, but what's is it? Well, I assume when they pointed it out, it would be he hit her with the claw port, right? Yeah. Oh, the like the, the, the hook side yeah. of the yeah. hammer. Okay. Right. That makes sense. So I didn't know if was I was like, motioning.
0: Yeah, you were motioning <laughs> and,
2: and I was hammer. like, "Yes, I know how a hammer works." <laughs> so, I'm asking what a claw hammer. So this is uh he he gets pretty wild here he decapitates his mother's head and then has irumatia with it and then used her head as a dartboard
0: he's throwing darts at it. yeah, yeah. after, after, at after he head. just
2: fucked it cricket with Clarnell <laughs> after he was done um, using it as a dartboard he just set her head on a shelf and screamed at it for like an hour can you imagine the scene oh. in this room <laughs> like just holy go- shit so he kills his mom cuts her head her head off fucks it then uses it at a dartboard, and then just sits there and screams at it. Absolute madness going on. this is off the charts. Um, He said, too, that he cut out her tongue and her larynx and put them in the garbage disposal. The garbage disposal couldn't break down her vocal cords, and it was shooting them back up into his face.
0: Think the tongue was smacking him in the head. I mean, if this is not a metaphor for your your mother never shutting the fuck right. up, right nagging you even when her tongue's been cut off.
2: Well, that's what he said. He was quoted as saying that seemed appropriate as much as she'd bitch and scream and yell at me for so many years. Oh, that's just comical. <laughs> but imagine thinking that. Like like it's all shooting back up at you and you're just like f- fucking figures, all that yeah. bitching and screaming, like How removed from reality are you at that point?
0: In the documentary, the reenactment had him just like leaning over the disposal and instead (laughs) it kept like shooting back up out of there and hitting them.
2: Fucking ridiculous. He then had sexual intercourse with her corpse and hid it in the closet and went out to drink some beers.
1: Had to go have a cool down beer, I guess, (laughs)
2: after all that work. That that's it's, it's, probably the most intense cooldown beer ever uh, after doing all that. Yeah, I would say so.
0: Did he go to the cop bar?
2: Yeah. Go to the jury room and have some Yeah, cool down? That was his place. Yeah. Oh. That
1: was his cheers. He was norm.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey Bumble Bun. Yeah.
2: His six foot nine, two
1: hundred and eighty pound ass sitting on one of those bar stools.
2: Right. Upon his return home, he invited over his mother's best friend, 59-year-old Sally Hallett, over to the house for dinner and a movie. <laughs> when she got to, when Hallett arrived to the house, or she came in and uh, told Ed, she was like, I need to sit down, I'm dead. Was That's what he said. <laughs> that's He said that was her exact words. Oof. it and then, uh, and in his mind, he was like,
1: bitch, you don't even know. Yeah,
2: because she sat down and he strangled her to death and decapitated her head and spent the night with doing the same deal mm. to her body.
0: So on the documentary, the one of the detectives said that during the interview, Ed um, admitted that he had an orgasm as he was strangling this lady. Which so there was something wild. to what, that's
1: what I talked about earlier then, if he was getting off on that physical contact at all.
0: Apparently this time he was.
2: Wow. Weird. Hmm. That woman just saying I'm dead just, it's not funny yeah. to laugh at somebody being killed, but it well, just, of course a, not. I just, I just picture somebody, whoever could be best friends with Clarnett, number one is probably a miserable human being. To Clarnell. Clarnell, sorry. That's a hard word. Yeah, I know I got it Carnell. wrong earlier.
1: Both of you are issuing apologies next <laughs> to <Right. week.
2: laughs> But she's probably a pain in the ass woman too, just like Clarnell. So for her to come in probably all crabby and shit and just sit down and say, I'm dead. I'm I need dead, this.
0: Ed. What are we for? De- what, uh, <laughs> Maybe he <laughs> heard got that. away from me.
1: <laughs> Maybe he heard that. He immediately got a heart on. And then all it took was just touching her and choking her and boom. Right. That was it for him. And boom goes the dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I haven't heard that in years. <laughs> <laughs> <It's so great. laughs>
1: If you guys out there listening have never seen the And Boom Goes the Dynamite news clip, we will tweet that out because it has nothing to do with this story. It's just a hilarious clip. That poor kid just struggles to get to that newscast. We'll send that out.
2: So Ed got that whole sense of that paranoia going on like when he first killed his grandparents. And he left a note for the police that said approximately 5.15 a.m. Saturday. No need for her to suffer anymore at the hands of this horrible, murderous butcher. It was quick, asleep, the way I wanted it. Not sloppy and incomplete, gents. Just a lack of time. I got things to do. So immediately from leaving the scene, he drove nonstop to Playboy, Colorado. And after not hearing any news on the radio about what he just did to his mom and her friend he found a phone booth and called the police. And that's the thing is he was super paranoid. He was expecting the whole world to come after him. Right. So he's like sitting there listening to the radio and nothing's coming up. But he left a note. Why could nobody have found it? But I mean, who think about Why it. I, I'm, I? Ki- I'm kidding. No, I know, uh, yeah. I know. But like who the fuck's going to miss Clarnell immediately? She had right. one friend and her friend was there with her. You could have her. stopped
1: that sentence at who the fuck's going to miss Clarnell? Right. Nobody.
2: Over the
0: weekend, no less.
2: Yeah. Um, so he called in and confessed to the murders of his mother and her friend, but the police didn't take him serious at all and told him to call back another time. They <laughs> like, thought he was fucking because around because they knew him. Yeah, from, from the like jury. Just a
0: goofball from the jury room, yeah. right? He's probably drunk. Oh, bumblebutt, are drunk. drunk. Yeah,
2: yeah. So he kept calling back. He called back numerous times. Really, guys? I'm serious. I killed my mom. <laughs> Go to bed, Ed. <laughs> yeah, and he kept telling them, "I'm the co-ed killer." <laughs> like, I'm responsible for all this. And they thought but, I mean, he, they who, did. They thought he was drunk. If you right. if
1: it was like a drinking buddy, bar buddy, you wouldn't believe him. If one of you came to me and all of a sudden was like, oh, just so you know, I've killed. I'd be like, yeah, right. go fuck yourself. Yeah. Come on, quit messing around. Like, you wouldn't necessarily believe that.
2: Yeah. And he uh, so they eventually took him serious. They went out there and saw his note and and what he'd done. And uh, they drove out there and took him into custody.
0: So let me interject here with another quote. So he ultimately confessed once they took him into custody. And here's a a quote from his confession. The original purpose was gone. It wasn't serving any physical or real or emotional purpose. It was just a pure waste of time. Emotionally, I couldn't handle it much longer. Toward the end of there, I started feeling the folly of the whole damn thing. And at the point of near exhaustion, near collapse, I just said to hell with it and called it all off. He was bored. What was that? He I mean. was tired
1: of it. Well, but and at the same time, he had also peaked, right? He I killed mean, his mom.
0: Yeah, that which I was mean, what it was all about that, was the whole time, anyway. That right? was it.
1: I mean, what other? Yeah, where do you yeah. go from there? You've right. you've well, in the, got your white whale, so to
2: speak, yeah. like the the one that you kind of yeah, were after. I think you're right. That's and none of these guys really ever get to that the root of it, really. You yeah, know, these guys that have the, yeah. the mom issues or whatever. Right. And luckily for everyone else, because this guy could have went on indefinitely. I mean, you
1: see yeah. how easy
0: it is to, you know, to carry out random murders.
1: Well, it would have been interesting. Not in, it makes it sound bad. I wonder if he, because he was getting riskier and riskier, you know, like killing those girls on the campus. Mm-hmm. At some point, he probably would have went over the edge and got yeah. himself in some
2: trouble. Well, they always, usually... All of them hit that like berserker mode. Right, like Bundy had it towards the end where he did the the Kai uh, Omega thing went down in Florida State. Right, just like rampage through that whole place. Um Who knows? But like, yeah, I mean, like you said, he got to he. It's like he got to the final, right, the root of everything. Bundy never got. He just killed everybody that looked like his ex girlfriend. You know. Yeah. I don't know a lot about that story. We'll, we'll cover that. Yeah, one, we'll I'm get sure into soon. him. But yeah, so on November 8th, 1973, a six-man, six-woman jury took them five hours to declare Kemper sane and guilty on all counts. He asked for the death penalty, saying that he should be uh, tortured to death, but instead he received seven years to life for each count. And that was because, and I didn't know this until looking into more stuff today, that the death penalty was put on hold nationwide Hmm. at this time.
0: Back then, yeah.
2: Was
1: it? I don't think I ever knew that.
2: Yeah. I didn't know that 70s? until today.
1: How long? Do you do you know about that?
0: Like, what was the reasoning <sighs> I, for that? Yeah. I think the Supreme Court uh, had a ruling. I don't remember specifically. I can't give you a spin
2: That's interesting. I don't yeah. think I ever heard that before. I think that's
0: why none of the Manson uh, family got death penalty either.
2: Right. Yeah, because it was all around the same time, mm-hmm. kind of. So, he ended up being incarcerated in the same prison block as um, Herbert Mullen and Charles Manson, yeah, he was right in there with everybody. But Herbert Mullen was like his, ne- he, he viewed him as like his nemesis.
1: I don't know anything, what's uh, what's Herbert Mullen's gimmick?
2: So Herbert Mullen killed 13 people He was doing it at the same time Ed Kemper was, but he was doing it because he was trying to prevent an earthquake that would completely destroy <laughs> California. It worked! <laughs> Well, that's the thing with people that kill for like those weird sure. reasons. Can't yeah. ever say it didn't can't work. it. Exactly. He killed them all, so maybe it worked. How would
1: killing people? And I don't mean we don't need to go down a whole Herbert Mullen thing. How would killing people prevent an earthquake? He was trying to save them, yeah. from having to experience
2: be, the damage was, of an earthquake, or like a sacrifice. Yeah, like the earthquake he was, gods. Yeah, something like that. Hey, it
0: worked. You can't question that. <laughs> okay, I have a I have a Herbert Mullen uh, quote from Ed. So Ed said it stuck in his craw that he got. 8 out of 8 counts of first degree murder while Herbert got 2 out of 13. So Ed said, I guess it's kind of hilarious me sitting here so self righteously talking like that after what I've done. This guy. That's it's, it,
2: it's not him. funny, but it's it's funny. He hated him. He said he he called him too. He said quote, he's a just a cold-blooded killer killing everybody he saw for no good reason. <laughs> <laughs> And he was
0: like his bitch in prison. Ed used to fuck with him.
2: Yeah, he said that, um, this is another quote from Ed, he said that Mullen had a habit of singing and bothering people when people were trying to watch TV. So I threw water on him (laughs) to shut him up. And then when when he was a good boy, I'd give him peanuts. Herbie (laughs) liked peanuts. That was effective because pretty soon he started asking permission to sing. So he basically trained trained him. him. It's
1: called behavior modification treatment. Herbie liked peanuts. (laughs) Can that be
2: a Necronomicon mm-hmm. shirt? It's like the fucking like odd couple or whatever in prison. Right, right. Yeah, he's singing all high pitched and shit while people are trying to watch TV. They're getting water thrown on him. <laughs> Here come
1: have a peanut, good boy. Right. <laughs>
2: Calling him a no, what? That's yeah, the cold blooded killer. But he also called him like a no class something too. Like, right. like how how could you possibly have disdain what? for this guy for killing people? Ed saw himself as a gentleman. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, at Kemper's still alive, and he's still among the general population in prison, and considered a model prisoner. So he was born what forty eight? So he's seventy now.
0: Yeah, yeah. seventy. December 71? of
1: December of forty eight, he was born. Yep.
0: And he was a model prisoner, right? All the yeah. guards loved him. He's very uh, personable. Well, he's got
1: experience with this, right? Being in an
2: institution
1: Absolutely. and being able to to know what people like. Yeah. He had made a whole life out of. Knowing what makes people comfortable and uncomfortable.
2: He's got the most of any serial killer recorded interviews with the FBI and stuff. I mean, there's hours upon hours of talk. Because he enjoyed doing it. He liked talking about it. Yeah, he loved it. So if you've never seen that Mindhunter show on Netflix, I would highly
0: recommend you check that out. Because it's about the early uh, profilers from the FBI in the early days of uh, serial killer profiling. They actually coined the term serial killer. And they did a lot of uh, extensive interviews with Ed Kemper. And it's kind of where they came up with the profile for, for people like Ed. And uh, there's just hours and hours of uh, interviews with Ed that are just frightening. And that's Mindhunters on Netflix. Mindhunter on Netflix. What's,
1: what's the name? Remind them of the, the documentary you watched that you've been referring to.
0: It's called Kemper on Kemper. It's, uh, it's on Amazon. On Amazon yeah. for like a rental or something. Yeah, it's like three bucks.
1: So if but, you want more on Ed, check those. Yeah, out. Yeah,
0: just hours and hours of interviews with this guy. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty, unbelievable.
2: Yeah, and and then in addition to to all the interview stuff, he has over five. His job in prison, he did made ceramic cups was one of his jobs, but his main job was narrating books for um, blind people, doing audio books back then. And there's he did over five thousand hours of narration. Hmm. Wow, of books.
0: He's a very well-spoken. It, uh, he's got an awesome
2: voice. He's got for an that. awesome voice. I remember you telling me he's got a good voice. Yeah, so. yeah. There's. A, I found the little clip that I was listening to of it. it it's. Uh, he's got this real professional, awesome voice for that. Yeah,
0: wasted talent.
2: Yeah. Uh, he retired from those those jobs in 2015 um, after he had a stroke and was declared medically disabled. And he got his first rule violation ever in 2016 for failing to provide a urine sample.
0: Maybe he just didn't have to go.
2: Yeah, I don't know, who knows?
0: Yeah,
1: that one seems odd. Like maybe yeah. he was just not having a good day or something. Yeah, maybe he
2: was just pissed off or something. And said fuck it. <laughs>
1: or
0: <Pissed> not off. <laughs> uh bang. That was a good one, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> so he's still alive, huh? Yeah. Maybe he'll be a fan of the of the podcast.
1: We'll tweet it out to him. What is he probably just at Ed Kemper on Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: at old Bumblebutt. <laughs> yeah, but his uh, yeah, his interviews with the FBI are crazy. Really yeah, it's like the basis
0: of, of of serial killing or serial killer profile techniques yeah. for the whole FBI.
1: In closing, we got anything else on Ed Kemper? Any other stories? Not comments? a great
2: man. Not no, a great man. Not a good guy. No. As funny as some of his comments can be, it's you know, yeah, when you're when you're looking it, at him like always, this. It's just fucking
0: vile. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean there's stuff that you can like laugh at and whatever, but yeah. At the at the end of it, he's a huge piece of shit.
1: Is he well known? Like, is he is he up there like top yeah,
2: five? I'd top say. five serial killers? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I okay. would think so. Yeah, but that's it. That's all I got on Ed.
1: Okay, Dave, you got anything else for him?
2: Uh, nothing on Ed. I'm gonna
0: have some shout-outs for our social Let's media do it, followers. Please. So on Instagram, Peas Morgan, thanks for the review. Chunky animals, love that guy. <laughs> on Twitter, uh, Ice Bear Bella, Ed Bats, W D Taylor Jr. And uh, Mommy Haynes on a review on uh, iTunes. Thanks for the review. Don't forget to pick up your kids. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, uh, Jake V, Alex and Maddie, and Jeff B. Thanks for your
1: support. Yeah, we appreciate everybody that's uh, helped reach out to us, let us know how much they love the show, or has helped spread the word in some way with a retweet or posting about us. Uh, in any which way, it's we really appreciate it. We're, we're a bit overwhelmed about
2: how, how well
1: the show has done in only the first
2: month it's been around. So thank you for that. Ian, you got anything you want to plug? Nope. The only thing I want to say is uh, that I apologize if I sounded like shit tonight. I know I was out of breath through for a lot of this stuff, but hopefully next week I'll be back to normal.
1: True professional. You powered right through it. No days off. <laughs> I couldn't even tell. Mr. No days off himself. Yeah. All right. Um, we are on Twitter at Necronomapod. Instagram, we are Necronomapod. We are also at Facebook.com slash We just set that up the last few weeks, so uh, check us out on Facebook. Give us a like, share us, um, whatever. I'm not a Facebook connoisseur, so whatever you, whatever you can do on Facebook, uh, go ahead and do it. Reach out to us, but hit us up there, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, like I said, we appreciate the support. We love having uh, conversations with you guys, hearing what you like and what you don't like. And if you have any recommendations for some uh, topics you want us to cover, let us know. You never know; we might just choose one and and and
2: get it on the schedule here. You guys ready for a cold down beer? Yes, sir.
0: <laughs>
2: Cheers.